the exorcism of Ronald Doe. In the late 1940s in the United States, priests of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on an anonymous boy documented under the pseudonym of Ronald Doe or Robbie Mannheim. The 14-year-old boy was alleged to be a victim of demonic possession and the events were recorded by the attending priest Raymond J. Bishop. Subsequent supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in William Peter Blatty's 1971 novel The Exorcist. In December 2021, the Skeptical Inquirer reported the purported true identity of Ronald Doe Robbie Mannheim as Ronald Edwin Hunkler, born June 21, 1935, died May 10, 2020. In mid-1949, several newspaper articles printed anonymous reports of an alleged possession and exorcism. The source for these reports is thought to be the family's former pastor, Luther Miles Schultz. According to one account, a total of 48 people witnessed this exorcism, nine of them Jesuits. According to author Thomas B. Allen, Jesuit priest, Father Walter H. Halloran was one of the last surviving eyewitnesses of the events and participated in the exorcism. Allen wrote that a diary kept by attending priest Father Raymond J. Bishop detailed an exorcism performed on the pseudonymously identified Ronald Doe, a.k.a. Robbie. Speaking in 2013, Allen emphasized that definitive proof that the boy known only as Robbie was possessed by malevolent spirits is unattainable. According to Alan, Halloran also expressed his skepticism about the potential paranormal events before his death. When asked in an interview to make a statement verifying that the boy had actually been demonically possessed, Halloran responded saying, No, I can't go on record. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I don't feel I was qualified. Ronald was born into a German Lutheran family in 1935. During the 1940s, the family lived in Cottage City, Maryland. According to Alan, Roland was an only child and depended upon adults in the household for playmates, primarily his aunt Harriet. His aunt, who was a spiritualist, introduced Roland to a Ouija board when he expressed interest in it. According to Thomas B. Allen, after Aunt Harriet's death, the family experienced strange noises, furniture moving of its own accord, and ordinary objects such as vases flying or levitating when the boy was nearby. The family turned to their Lutheran pastor, Luther Miles Schultz, for help. Long interested in parapsychology, Schultz arranged for the boy to spend the night in his home in order to observe him. When parapsychologist Joseph Banks Ryan learned that Schultz claimed he witnessed household objects and furniture seemingly moving by themselves, Ryan wondered if Schultz unconsciously exaggerated some of the facts. Schultz advised the boy's parents to see a Catholic priest. According to the traditional story, the boy went, then underwent a number of exorcisms. Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest, conducted an exorcism on Roland at Georgetown University Hospital, a Jesuit institution. During the exorcism, the boy allegedly slipped one of his hands out of the restraints, broke a bedspring from under the mattress and used it as an impromptu weapon, slashing the priest's arm and resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted. The family travelled to St. Louis, where Roland's cousin contacted one of his professors at St. Louis University, Bishop, who in turn spoke to William S. Boundron, an associate of College Church. Together, both priests visited Roland in his relative's home, where they allegedly observed a shaking bed, flying objects, and a boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. 
Baldrin was granted permission from the Archbishop to perform another exorcism. The exorcism took place at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in South St. Louis, Missouri, which was changed to South City Hospital. Before the next exorcism ritual began, another priest, Walter Halloran, was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital, where he was asked to assist Baldrin. William Van Roo, a third Jesuit priest, was also there to assist. Halloran stated that during this scene, words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks, appeared on the teenager's body. Allegedly, during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress began to shake. Moreover, Roland broke Halloran's nose during the process. Halloran told a reporter that after the rite was over, the anonymous subject of the exorcism went on to lead a rather ordinary life. In his 1983 book, Possessed, the true story of an exorcism, author Thomas B. Allen offered the consensus of today's experts that Robbie was just a deeply disturbed boy, nothing supernatural about him. Author Mark Opsasnik questioned many of the supernatural claims associated with this story, proposing that Ronald Doe was simply a spoiled, disturbed bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention or to get out of school. Opsasnik reported that Halloran, who was present at the exorcisms, never heard the boy's voice change, and he thought the boy merely mimicked Latin words he heard clergymen say rather than gaining a sudden ability to speak Latin. Obsasnik reported that when marks were found on the boy's body, Halloran failed to check the boy's fingernails to see if he had made the marks himself. Obsasnik also questioned the story of Hughes' attempt to exercise the boy and his subsequent injury, saying he could find no evidence that such an episode had actually occurred. During his investigation, Obsasnik discovered the exorcism did not take place at 3210 Bunker Hill Road in Mount Rainier, Maryland. The boy never lived in Mount Rainier. The boy's home was in Cottage City, Maryland. Much of the commonly accepted information about this story is based on hearsay, is not documented and was never fact-checked. There is no evidence Father E. Albert Hughes visited the boy's home, had him admitted to Georgetown Hospital, requested that the boy be restrained at the hospital, attempted an exorcism of the boy at Georgetown Hospital, or was injured by the boy during an exorcism. There is ample evidence refuting claims that Father Hughes suffered an emotional breakdown and disappeared from the Cottage City community. According to Obsasnik, individuals connected to the incident were influenced by their own specializations. To psychiatrists, Rob Doe suffered from mental illness. To priests, this was a case of demonic possession. To writers and film video producers, this was a great story to exploit for profit. Those involved saw what they were trained to see. Each purported to look at the facts, but just the opposite was true. In actuality, they manipulated the facts and emphasized information to fit their own agendas. Obsasnik wrote that after he located and spoke with neighbors and at childhood friends of the boy, most of whom he only referenced by initials, he concluded that the boy had been a very clever trickster who had pulled pranks to frighten his mother and to fool children in the neighborhood. Skeptic Joe Nickel wrote that there was simply no credible evidence to suggest the boy was possessed by demons or evil spirits, and maintains that the symptoms of possession can be childishly simple to fake. Nickel dismissed suggestions that supernatural forces made scratches or markings or caused words to appear on a teenager's body in unreachable places, saying a determined youth probably even without a wall mirror could easily have managed such a feat. 
if it actually occurred. Although the scratched messages proliferated, they never again appeared on a difficult to reach portion of the boy's anatomy. On one occasion, the boy was reportedly seen scratching the words hell and Christ into his chest by using his own fingernails. According to Nickel, nothing that was reliably reported in the case was beyond the abilities of a teenager to produce. The tantrums, trances, mood furniture, hurled objects, automatic writing, superficial scratches and other phenomenon were just the kinds of things someone of ours age could accomplish. Just as others have done before and since. Indeed, the elements of poltergeist phenomenon, spirit communication and demonic possession taken both separately and especially together as one progressed to the other suggest nothing so much as role-playing involving trickery. Nickel also dismissed stories of the boy's prodigious strength, saying he showed nothing more than what could be summoned by an agitated teenager, and criticised popular accounts of the exorcism for what he termed a stereotypical storybook portrayal of the devil. If you like that, then listen to our main show every Wednesday on all good podcast providers. It's Alive Alive, the really, really fake true crime horror podcast. All the guts and gore, none of the guilt. See you on Wednesdays.